Well, you had a great um, respite from me last week with Jonathan's song, and he preached a wonderful sermon, especially the green frog illustration. I hope you enjoyed that. But now you're stuck with me again until you vote. And if he votes yes, then he'll come. If you vote no, Ben is going to take you outside and beat you up. I know that. No, no, you can vote however you want, right, Ben? I'm I'm just teasing. So what my plan is for you is that we're going to go through the fruit of the Spirit, which if you've been in church, you've heard before. If you've not been in church, we're so glad you're with us. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But we're going to start with a little getting our hands or arms around that first, not just starting with love. But really, what are the fruit of the Spirit teaching us? And so these first four sermons will not technically be on those, but I want you to have these in mind. And I don't know if you're getting my Wednesday emails, or I hope you appreciated the graphic I made, because it's called Bear Fruit. (laughs) Sign up and you'll see. Um, I have a friend named Thomas Fitzpatrick, and he wrote a book called Driven by Desire. And in that book, he talks about a Thanksgiving that he had. He loves Thanksgiving. Most of us do. And his favorite thing on Thanksgiving is something I've never heard of or had, although I can conceptualize what it is, and that's a cranberry parfait. Which sounds pretty good now. Right? Maybe we can try that out. So he's always excited about the the cranberry parfait. And so on this Thursday in November, he woke up and uh, he forgot it was Thanksgiving. He He was, you know, a little kid. And so he ate two bowls of Cocoa Puffs, stomach completely full. And when he was finishing his second bowl, his mom came in and said, Thomas, I made for you your favorite thing, a cranberry parfait. Here it is. He couldn't eat it. He was, Thanksgiving was ruined. His stomach was so full. And so that's a little example of these competing desires, right? It's not wrong to eat Cocoa Puffs. I'm unsure. I think, and technically, no. And it's not wrong to eat um, cranberry parfaits, but, but they can't both be done in this illustration, right? So our question today is really, what are our desires, and what do our desires bear? Here at City of Hope, we're trying to reflect the love of Christ uh, and, and share that with, with the world. Jesus' grace in, in community and connection. And so what we're going to be talking about is what we do, but not just what we do, how we do it and who we are as people. And so this text comes at us. Galatians 5. And you can see at the beginning, because this is the real reason why we're talking about this before we just jump into the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things 
that you want. Right? The flesh and the spirit are desires about what we want to do. Back in Oklahoma City, uh, we just moved here um, three months ago almost. Before that, I was building a, a back porch. I was trying to make a man cave outside. And, um, and so I drew up my plans. And then we were going we to redo our garage. It's sort of tilting you know, like this. And so I was going to put a garage and then put a, an apartment behind the garage. And I was thinking it would be cool if on my porch, it, you know, as an upper deck, you could walk to the garage. And then if that could happen, you could have a ring around the whole yard, like an upper deck. And I could put up a big, huge net, and we could play wiffle ball out there. And I would have a pool. So I drew all this up, and I gave it to my uh, architect friend. He said, do you have a million-dollar idea? I was like, I know. It's so cool. No, literally, it's a million-dollar idea. (laughs) That's what I wanted, right? When we were looking for an apartment here, what did we want? When you fill up your Christmas list, what do you want, right? So, so we want stuff all the time. Think of it this way. Here's what I want. This happened to me this morning. I ran out of my shaving cream. I said, oh, I want more shaving cream. So I opened my computer, got on Amazon, ordered it. So what I wanted got clicked on, and guess what's going to happen? It's going to come. Now, Amazon Prime, hmm, the... UPS man comes to my house apartment every day. I have no, I'm not, never ever trying to put things together in a, in a box, right? Just bring them one at a time, I don't care. But that's how it works. What you want gets planted, acted upon, and then realized. The metaphor Paul is using is, it's our flesh. It's our bodies. And that's a metaphor for our our sinful desires. The things that we want that go wrong. He he talks about lust and immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, right? Our perversions. our, Our fallen human condition. With enmity, strife. Jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origins, and things like this. It's important to remember, God made things good. It's not that your body is bad. That's not the metaphor. It's, it's gone wrong. That God made our bodies good. He made sexuality good. Wine good. Parties good. Reptiles good. But we take those things and move them in the wrong direction. What we should do is desire what God desires, what love what He loves. We should hate what God hates, stay away from what He wants us to. We should divide where God divides. But we are selfish. Or we don't understand. Or we weren't taught. Or we just want the wrong thing. The flesh says it's all about me. There are cultural dimensions to that. If you grow up in a culture where what God wants is, is not what anyone wants. 
But we participate in that culture. Now, Paul is really talking not even just about that whole big thing, but he's talking also to the church. He's saying there's a spiritual part of this, even a subset of the whole big idea. And Galatians, a lot like City of Hope, is a young church. I know we've all been through a lot, right? So it doesn't feel, we're not super excited right now. But there's an excitement building about a new pastor and getting out of COVID. I mean, although it does blow my mind, I talked about COVID today. It's, it's May 2022. But Paul's telling the Galatians, hey, you know when those people came around and they told you, you're not being spiritual enough, guys. Galatian church. Hey, Galatian church, City of Hope, if you really want to be great, you've got to be serious about the law. You've got to go back to, to Moses and understand that the ceremonial law the moral law, and the, the other pieces of law, unlock all of it. That's the key. You've got to add that back in to Paul's teaching. And that means there's an in-group and there's an out-group. The serious law-keeping people and the not-serious, not keeping the law people. There's a checklist and there's a a checker of who's doing the checklist. There's a spiritual judgment dynamic where we're going to gauge your performance. Now, you're going to hear me a lot. I'm not saying you shouldn't have checklists. I mean, you know, if you want to graduate and get your master's degree, you're going to have to, like, accomplish tasks, right? I've got a checklist in my brain about church. Hey, these need to get set up. I mean, we can have church without them, but in my head, Hannah's doing a great job, by the way. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, I had a checklist for the Easter party, right? Reptiles are coming. I got a checklist for Pentecost party. Not telling you. But the thing is, when you have checklists like this, you need an evaluator. You need a decider. You need a ranker. And that can produce division, provocation, envy, and strife. Right? Even though God made the law good for the church, we twist it. Just like we do so many things with our body, with all these good things that God gave us. You know, um, so back in COVID, um, at our church in Oklahoma City, well, you know, we did all the things y'all did. And then uh, at some point in the fall of 2020, we decided to have one service inside and one service outside. So you could choose. And we had, you know, distance and all that stuff. Well, so that worked pretty good in the fall. Then it started to get to the winter. And we have probably a fairly mild winter, so we could go pretty far. And generally, you know, it's a lot more temperate. But there are certainly cold, cold days in the 20s. So I'm rolling up in the church, and I'm, we, would, we bought heaters, you know, the big space heaters, 
and we would, on the, we would get underneath this portico, and so we had a little bit of protection, although the wind came whipping through there, down the plains, right? And, uh, and I would just always, on these really cold days, go like, I hope no one comes. Surely a rational person would think, I'm going to come to the inside service and sit on the balcony, right? That's what a normal person would do. But I, I didn't want to cancel. I don't like to cancel church for the weather, ever. My policy is I'll show up, because I can walk there, and if anybody shows up, we'll do something. So I'm not canceling the outside service. We can wear coats. We have heaters. And sure enough, 20 dummies would come. And of course, we'd pare it all down and cut it all out. I'd do a five-minute sermon. We'd do Lord's Supper, and we'd be out of there, right? It was a 10-minute service. I'm like, y'all, come on. There's an inside service right before this. But I I remember one time, it it actually was pretty cool, because we'll never forget that. But I remember I said, okay, you know who we have here? The spiritual people. The people that won't not miss church. And it was a joke. But it's sort of true. And I wonder if they thought they were more spiritual than the people that didn't come. You see what I'm saying? Is this now we know the people that love Jesus because they showed up at 20 degrees on Sunday? We have these rankings and systems we're trying to figure out. And Paul is telling us that is not the Jesus way. It is not the Jesus way. That is legalism. The opposite of legalism is what? License. That's no longing for church. Rejecting all the rules. So at City of Hope, you can come to every single service your whole next rest of your life and hate people. You can also say you love God and love God and never participate. Never volunteer for the nursery. Never sing. Never give. But never come. It's the problem with dichotomies, right? They're ditches where you fall off on one side or the other. And both of those define relationship with Jesus based on the law. If you define your relationship with Jesus on what you do and what you don't do, that's not Christianity. We are called to live by faith the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, that means you do stuff. And you don't do stuff. But it's based on your relationship with Jesus. If we act according to the law, what does Paul tell us? Well, you get idolatry. Sorcery. Envy. Paul says we should live according to the Spirit. Not the law. Laws are important, but they can't change our hearts. When we live according to the flesh, we mess up. But it's not just sex and drugs and rock and roll and the bad stuff. You see, when we live according to the flesh, we also mess up, twist, pervert education. 
Sports. Families. Kids. Jobs. Church. Wine. Food. Technology. God's good creation. These are good things breaking bad. And so in that sense, we're sunk. You'll hear people say you can't legislate morality. This is not not true. You can legislate it. That doesn't change the heart. My good friends, the pastor, his name's Ricky, he was disciplining his three-year-old, spanking. And during the spanking, his three-year-old, four-year-old, maybe five-year-old, said to his dad, Dad, you've got to spank me harder. And he said, it's an odd request. Why? Because it's not working. What do you mean it's not working? I can't stop being bad. Stop. The good news is the Holy Spirit can change us, redeem us, forgive us, incorporate us, so we're not just stuck living according to the flesh. We have a spiritual life because we have a spirit. Amen? That spirit helps us to fight the flesh, the world, the devil. Our natural instincts that are corrupt apart from God. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can love God even in the first place and follow Him. And the Holy Spirit helps you when you mess up, which you're going to do, to mourn that, to to be sorrowful about that. Another place Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7, he says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit sorrow and the Holy Spirit grief and and just being sorry. A lot of times you'll say, I'm sorry you thought that. (laughs) You don't say, I'm sorry I said it. Unspiritual people don't mourn sin. They may be sorry about the consequences of what they did wrong. And, and you know, and we can be discouraged about that because we understand, or I'm trying to help you understand, there's this thing called, at the same time, sinner and justified. Simul justus et peccator. Martin Luther used to talk about this. At the same time, you're a saint and a sinner. It's, it's not one or the other if you're a Christian in Christ. Okay, you're not going to be surprised, but Casey Musgraves, country singer, she has a song called Somebody to Love, not the Queen song, right? And she just talks about this dichotomy, this, this, this tension of, of hope and hopelessness. We're all hoping and we're hopeless. We're all thorns and we're all roses. We're all looking down our noses at ourselves. We're flawed and perfect. We're lost and hurting. We're liars and legends. We're happy and hating. We're patiently impatient. We're good, but we're not angels. We're bad, but we're not devils. We're all pots, and we're all kettles. We can't sit in ourselves. We're looking for somebody 
to love. And it can be discouraging, right, when you see this to yourself. You know, there are sin lists all in the Bible. Our denomination right now is like focused on one especially. But here's another one. We may talk about this again. Proverbs 6. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. And listen to this one. Think about our uh, current climate right now. Our denominational fighting, our um, blog wars. One who soars, sows discord among brothers. As we walk with Jesus, it can feel like we're getting worse. It's because we know our sin more. We're more sorrowful about it. That means the Spirit is at work. It can be confusing, right? The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is changing our desires. You are less the old you. I'm the less old me. You're more the new you and the new me. He's, he's, he's changing our desires on food and sexuality so that we're clicking on what He wants for us. It's just so amazing. I remember in the 90s when <laughs> you could order a plane ticket on the computer. You remember how you used to have to do it? Some of you don't remember, right? Um, you went from a box of records, to a box of cassettes, to a box of CDs, to, to an iPod? Whoa! Just uh, even uh, this week, I was prepping for today. I'm going to make like Mexican street corn. And I was like, you know, I hate shucking corn. It's, it stinks. It's not like it's hard, but all these little things. And So I, on the internet, what's the best way to shuck corn? Boom! Uh, you want to know? You put it in the microwave for four or five minutes, and you just squeeze it out. It's like, wow, that's so awesome. When I was in college, I, I went to Mizzou in 1989, and um, you, had, you had to go schedule your time to, to schedule a class, right? And there was this room way bigger than this with these massive computers, and you had to input it, and they had to look and see, you know, and it took hours to stand in this line. And if you wanted to change a class, oh, you had to walk around everywhere. I had one class. This, one of my friends talked me into this class. She said, it's going to be great. It's an it's English class. And so I show up the first day. Uh, she didn't tell me that it's also cross-listed as a women's studies class, which is fine. But I was the only male in 30, 30 people, only male in this class. And the whole thing was man-hating. I'm telling you, I promise. Every class, I had to defend all men across time, everywhere. And I did not drop that class <laughs> because it's such a pain. I took it for a semester. I still am mad at her. All these amazing things we can do. But again, you know, right? This is where we're in the same, the flip side, right? 
How easy is it to destroy people's lives? Fishing, images, hatred, our desires of power, influence, freedom, the desire to put your family at the center of your whole life and universe, or you'll do anything for your family. Remember the scandals of all the, the wealthy people trying to get their kids into the Ivy League schools or Stanford or whatever? And they, the way they did it is they pretended like their kid, kids were in these sort of more obscure sports, rowing, lacrosse, and they would like get them on the water and take pictures and then, and then they would give money to that sport and then they would get in that way, remember? What is that? An idolatry of family success. I'm going to be up here, so you're going to be down here, right? We're competing with each other. Mommy wars are real. Cutting off others instead of welcoming in others. Isolating and insulating ourselves. The desire for order, conformity, consistency. Cars, clothes, kids, calories. So in this passage, and really all throughout the Scripture, God is inviting us into this crazy, weird family. He's welcoming us into and says we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So he gave up his flesh so we could partake of it and be in it. He gave up his power to give us his power. It's about his kingdom, not ours. His glory, not ours. And in Thomas's book, Driven by Desire, he says, desires aren't wrong. You can't live without desires. You need to examine them. And God can redeem these desires for beauty, love, power, intimacy, authority, masculinity, femininity, motherhood, devotion. And so in this series metaphor, I mean, I hate to state the obvious, it's planting seeds. We really need to have Eric. He's like super into gardening. Every, every Sunday, do a little demonstration for this, right? But, but when you plant seeds, you're like, what is happening? This is never going to work. I'm sticking this one thing in this dirt. Got to take care of it, nurture it, keep the weeds away, keep the pigeons away, keep the rabbits and squirrels away, and eventually comes out and it bears fruit. And the thing about that is that fruit has seeds in it, right? That you could plant. And so you see this exponential multiplication, this reproducing growth mechanic. The Holy Spirit plants himself inside of us, restores us, restores our dignity, takes away our shame, invites us to the banquet with each other to have his meal. And so the question in verse 18 is, but if you are led by the Spirit, are we led by the Spirit? 
We're going to talk more later about the fruit of the Spirit. But here, almost done. As you listen to the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're going to talk about all of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self, gentleness, self-control. And you're going to be thinking to yourself, I need to do more of that. That's just what you're going to think. And, and you're right. You do need to. But here, as we're getting our arms around the whole topic, what I want you to be thinking is, where is the Spirit directing me to go? What is the Spirit saying to me? How would I hear that? Where would I hear it? Where would I read about it? Do I talk with others about what the Holy Spirit is telling them? How is the Holy Spirit revealing to other people beauty, goodness, peace? Maybe miraculously. If we could x-ray our hearts, would we see Jesus? His love, His embrace, His joy, His mercy, His forgiveness. And is that bearing fruit into our lives? You know, the, the honest truth is, you could set some goals for yourself, and they're achievable. You could set your goal, I'm never going to miss church again the rest of the year. I think it's a fine goal. And you can do that. I had a friend in uh, K-12 through who never missed one day of school, K-12. through that was her goal. She accomplished it. I'd make fun of her about it still, and I sort of messed with her about it. I'll tell you about the different time. You could try to become the best worker and get that parking spot. You can do it. You could also be the ultimate rebel. Achieve that. You could try to win every single game and drive everyone crazy. But that's not a life of walking with Jesus. Who says the last will be first? The losers are the winners. He has this upside-down kingdom economy. Even in Isaiah 55, he talks about a feast, and he says you, you can't earn it. You can't bring anything. It's free. So what do we desire? When my, I turned 40, I told my dad, I'd like to go on a trip with you. You can pick anywhere. I don't care where it is. It can be Branson. I actually love Branson, so that would have been fun. Because I want to be with you. That's my desire. We were planning the same thing on my 50th birthday before he died. I think God desires. He desires love, joy, peace, goodness. He desires you. You could examine his heart. You're on there. So one more song illustration. Oh, it's over here. I even planned it. Okay, y'all, this is going to be a curveball. Jill and I were driving back from the Harriet Tubman uh, Museum, which is wonderful. I'm sure I'll talk about that more. And she, because of the Harriet Tubman spiritual, she's always put on some black gospel. It's like, my, I don't know, my, my radio doesn't do that. Ah! But I, I have those channels, and I hadn't listened to her in a while. And one of the ones came on I've just forgot about. Anthony Brown. I'll put this on the Wednesday email. You thought I was worth saving. Maybe you've heard it. 
You thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping, so you cleaned me up inside, not me. You thought I was to die for, so you sacrificed your life, so I could be free, so I could be loved, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. Amen, brothers and sisters. God loves you. He desires you.